Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 202 of the podcast that was originally recorded on May 2nd of 2018. This week I sat down and chatted with Seth Jaffe from Tasty Minstrel Games, and wow, what a great interview. Hopefully everybody enjoys listening to this one as much as I enjoyed recording it. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and we are back with another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. I have another interview this evening that we are doing, and today I have with me Seth Jaffe. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for being on. Um, it was I was really excited uh, when I saw your post out on the Twitter that you were looking for a couple of people to do some interviews, and then you responded. I was like, sweet. I'm going to have another interview an interview lined up. Um, so you're going to be on episode 202. I normally post the episodes on Sunday, um, usually Sunday mornings, depending on when I wake up. <laughs> if not, Sunday evenings at the latest. Um, Perfect. But let's find out a couple of things about what's going on with you. Um, one of the first places I had actually heard um, you interviewed was uh, from Lance on the TMG podcast. Uh, that that is on my podcast on my phone. So I was I was mentioning to you right before we started the podcast. I was like, let me go back and listen to a couple of those because I hadn't heard some of those for for months because you had been on several times. I think three times you were on three different episodes. So I went back to the very first one, and one of the first questions that Lance had asked you was one of the first questions I kind of threw down on my sheet when I was coming up with some questions and doing some research last night. So I tried to re- reword it a little bit, I guess. And one of the things he had asked you was some early memories you had of board games, but I'm going to change that from board games to maybe modern board games. Let's not go back to teenagers and like when I played D&D, that's some of my early stuff, you know, besides all the games from the 70s and 80s. Yes, I'm dating myself there. I do have gray in my beard. <laughs> yeah, I actually, come to think of it, I don't think I responded to Lance with any of the D&D type stuff. I didn't play a lot no, of D&D, I, but yeah, it was I, a little I, bit. I don't think you didn't because I was, I was really surprised because right. I was like, because when you started talking about it, I was like, yeah, my, one of my first earliest memories is probably seventh and eighth grade when we got into Dungeons and Dragons and during the summer playing D&D on my parents' patio, you know, on their porch, like till all hours of the evening until they made us come inside. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I dabbled a little bit in role playing. Well, you know, Dungeons and Dragons that not like I've got a friend now who's really into a bunch of indie role playing games. And okay. uh, to him. Dungeons and Dragons is like the monopoly, you know, is is like monopoly is to board gamers. Um, but I did when I was when I was seven or eight or something. I think I I my neighbor and I dabbled in it a little bit, and then you know I read some. Uh, I used to go to KB Toys and I'd get for like a dollar I'd get like in television games that were in a bin or mm-hmm. else uh, D and D modules <laughs> or something for maybe a dollar. Um, so that's what I would spend my allowance on and stuff like that. I just check them out. Um, but yeah, I didn't really play a lot of that. So modern, uh, I did play a little D and D in like college, but I, I never really it never really lived up to what I what I imagined it could be like. Okay. And I read up. Um, it was actually after college. I remember I was I had a job and stuff, but I, I read up on some different methods of like I, I had heard of tournament role playing. Well, I remember that some of my old modules said said tournament module on it, and I was like, well, how do you play tournament D and D? You know. And I looked it up, yeah. and there were a couple ways you can do it, and I always thought maybe that would be kind of cool to try. Uh, mostly because I felt like whenever I did play D and D, 
I always wanted to, you know, get on with the story, you know, get, you know, progress, see what happens next kind of thing. Whereas what usually ended up happening was we would just sit around and BS all night and maybe have a combat that lasted four hours or something like that. Um, okay. So my so, group was pretty much the same as yours then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, 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 was, I never really felt like – I felt like there was a, a way that D&D could be, but I never really had a chance to – I mean, sometimes, sometimes it was like that for me when we were playing, but like it never was as much like that as I wanted it to be or as I thought it could be. And I never did try tournament – role-playing i don't think i would like it in retrospect but it was something i was like looking into but to answer your question so modern board games so i had a couple of friends in high school they're about a year younger than me and uh one of them i would always go to his house on new year's eve um he would invite me over a few of his friends and we'd do various things including play a board game and they were they were into and um some of these german or uh, euro style board games that i had never heard of um and i do remember one time we played a game called Puerto Rico, which is, uh, I know now, you know, a very big, popular, excellent game that I've played a million times and I really like it. Mm-hmm. At the time, having not played any of these games before, I struggled to uh, figure out what to do. I felt I felt awfully stupid, actually, because like, they explained the game and we were playing the game and everyone else was getting it and I just wasn't getting it. I just didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing and I was having a really bad time, actually, and I just felt like really dumb. And that was that was before I played any of these games. Um, luckily, though, somehow that didn't turn me off altogether of board games, because sometime later that same group uh, taught me Settlers of Catan, and I liked it and I thought it was good, and so much so that uh, later I was at some other friend's house where I used to play Magic with them. They, I had uh, four of my friends lived in the apartment together. Uh, it was a different four friends sometimes, but like there was always four of my friends living in this one apartment, and uh, we would. <laughs> We would go over there and they were all my magic friends. So we would go over there once a week to uh, play magic and go over there another time a week to just, I don't know, watch battle bots and, and stuff on, on TV because they had cable. <laughs> and uh, um, we'd always be listening to the EverQuest story of the week for my friend Tyler because he would, he would condense his 80 hours of EverQuest down into like a 10 minute story, which was at 10 minutes that was fun and to, to listen to you, but to spread that out over 80 hours, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, but that was, uh, those were good times. Uh, but anyway, so we played magic. Um, so that might be considered modern day board games, but I'm telling a story about settlers now. So when I was over there and I'm like, guys, there was this great game. It's really cool that I should, you should check it out. But I had gone to all the stores in town. I couldn't find it. And one of my friends happened to be up in Phoenix. So I gave him a call and he happened to be at a game store that was owned by somebody we knew. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, you're there. Do they have settlers of Catan? If so, buy it, bring it down. I'll, I'll pay you back. So he did. And then that weekend, he, when he came back, I, I, I brought that game to that group of friends' house and we had like 10 people over or whatever. And we started playing Settler of Catan, like four, four of us at a time. And then Winner would stay and the other three would have to sit down and the next three would play. And uh, for about 30 hours straight, somebody was playing, four people were playing Settler of Catan. Wow. Like – I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. We started on a Friday evening and then Sunday morning we took a break and walked to breakfast and we came back and played some more. But, you know, there were like 12 or 14 of us total, but, you know, some people would go off and play Goldeneye for a while. Um, some people, <laughs> the ones that lived there would go to sleep for a while. Some people came and then like left. Other people came later. But like <laughs> constantly for 30 hours straight, there was a game of Settlers of Catan happening. Um, and so that, so was, that game got broken in quite well then. Yes, it was uh, it was great. It was, and I, I really liked that experience. And I was actually 
you know, later I was talking to another friend of mine who had missed that because they weren't there at the time or they didn't hadn't moved to Tucson yet or didn't know us yet or something. And he was bummed about it, having missed out on that fun sounding time. Um, and so it kind of inspired me to do a thing, which I did a couple of years in a row. I had a big like Christmas time when after all, after all my friends graduated college and left town, they'd all come back Christmas time for a while. That's what happens, right? People leave town, mm-hmm. they come back to visit their parents yeah. or whatever. Yep. Um, and then they come back with less frequency and then eventually they don't come back. Right. Um, <laughs> so when my parents, my parents, when my friends came back, uh, for Christmas time, I, I would have like, I started having this like weekend long gaming party basically like a um i did it a couple of years in a row it kind of uh evolved a little bit like i had people over to play games then i had it like then i'm like let's do the let's do this 30 hour game party like we did when we played settlers that one time and i did that like maybe twice and then it kind of you know people stopped coming back to town or whatever and it kind of reverted back to just like a smaller one and then it kind of went away but i definitely at least one year i kept track of who all came about how long they were there uh, what games were played, what games each, uh, each person, uh, how many different games each person played, how many how many games they played, how many unique games they played, how many games they won, how many unique games they won. And I kept all these stats and I gave prizes at the end of the weekend uh, for most games played, most unique games played, most hardcore, which is most hours spent there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was. And, and there were a number, uh, 20 something, 25 or 30 people total, wow. I think. Holy um, crap. But some came and then left and then other people came later or whatever. But I, I had one one of my friends was there the entire time with me, so he got the most hardcore prize. Um, I even had a little like a poker tournament, like like a, everyone gets chips to play with, not for, not for money. A poker tournament, and the prize for that was a copy of Rounders, like a DVD. Oh, nice! Um, which at the time was <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't brand new, but it wasn't like an old movie yet. <laughs> yeah, I've um, done I've done some marathon gaming like that down at our local game store. Sometimes they'll have like maybe once a year for like tabletop day, they'll do like 24 hours of gaming. And I did that a couple of years in a row. And then I was like, OK, I'm getting too old for this. I'm like that 24 hours now hurts. I actually need some recovery time after that to really start to feel better. <laughs> well, back then I, I could do it like that. Like I slept very, very little that that weekend and whatever. Right. I used to go to conventions all the time and sleep, you know, three hours a night, four nights in a row or something. Um it's a little harder now. I'm a little older. I can't. I can't necessarily go that long, uh, that many days in a row with three hours of sleep. But um, anyway, but uh, yeah. So barring magic, so magic's a little bit different. But because um, I played magic for like a decade before that. But I think um, I think I think we've all played magic at one time in yeah, our but lives. That <laughs> that, uh, that was my that that settlers thing was my introduction really into or my my diving headfirst into the world of modern games. I guess. Um, and since since then, I'm happy to say that I did play Puerto Rico again, and, and like I said, I I got it that next. You know, when I tried it again, I got it, and I um loved it. I loved that game, and I played it a billion times. Uh, that some of those same guys that taught me um settlers or whatever they they one summer when I the second time I tried Puerto Rico, we played Puerto Rico uh two or three times a day, two or three days a week for a summer. People okay. would just come over and just, I'm like, Hey, come over and play some Puerto Rico for, for a couple hours. Um, yeah. So that was, that was good. I actually, that inspired a, a geek list on board game geek where I, I, uh, I tried to make a list of games that you didn't like the first time you played it, but then grew to like later. And that was Puerto Rico was my, that's a good list. Yeah. Where I, I, I had a really bad time the first time I played it. Luckily I gave it a second chance and it's one of my favorite games. Now, since you're designing games now, have any of these guys contacted you and said, hey, uh, 
Do 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 you play? Uh, let's the first one. Do you play test with any of these guys still, possibly at all? Uh, well, those guys all don't live here anymore. Oh, the so ones, all okay, my friends so that, that I away. used to play with, okay. they, they pretty much moved away at this point. However, back when I made Eminent Domain, for example, mm-hmm. some of them were still in town, and one of them, that the guy, the EverQuest guy, um, <laughs> he did he he would play test some stuff with me, and he um he really liked Eminent Domain actually, um, and and he's he's really good at pretty much every game, but um. Yeah, so he he played some Eminent Domain with me and, and stuff. Um, and I'm trying to think of this, the old Magic friends. Uh, so whenever I, I go to Seattle and I visit um, my friends, so most of them live up in Seattle now, uh, I, frequently I'll, if I have a game I'm, I, that's, that I've got a design that's far along, then I'll, I'll, I might bring it with me and I'll play it with them and stuff. So I don't know if that's the same as play testing. I think that's just playing, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one of them, though, one of the ones that uh, that I played Puerto Rico with so much, and that was there when we, um, the Tommy Settlers, he's a designer type too, and he actually works at a company that makes video games. Okay. Um, actually, he just recently moved to the same company that makes video games that my brother-in-law works at. But anyway, um, he used to work for PopCap. Uh, he, I think, he was one of the lead developer designers on uh, Plants for Zombies Two. Oh, and wow. Then, um, then he worked actually for a little bit. I think he had his own company, but I don't think that ever. I'm not sure if they ever put a game out, though. And now he works at Monolith with my brother-in-law. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So so he's he's and he's he's worked on his own games, his own tabletop games. I know that for at one point he was trying to get a, a tabletop uh, Plants for Zombies game when he worked at PopCap. And in the end, they they ended up going with like slapping their IP on like a, a different, you know, some random game that i think i remember seeing that one and i heard it wasn't the world's greatest yeah. so the one that the one that my friend made the one that my friend was working on i actually thought had potential okay um where you'd auction for different like plant types or whatever um it was i don't know what the one that came out is but it's not the one he made so yeah um, i don't think i, I've ever, I don't think I thought I've ever... that was i thought it was good yeah um, i don't think i've ever played the one that came out either but but anyway so yeah so yeah so he has played uh in fact at one point, at one of his old jobs, they, they was trying. They were trying to look into maybe publishing a board game, and and uh, Mohan, my friend, uh, was talking about publishing my first published game before it came out, like before there was a TMG. Okay, I had uh, my first game, Terra Prime. Um, they were gonna look into maybe publishing it, but I guess they, they never actually uh, moved forward with any of that. So um, that was that was neat. Um, let's see who else was in that group. Um, certainly, uh, this guy Steve was part of that. He was the one that missed out on the the settlers thing, but, um, played a lot of games with me and he did, he, he was often willing to play test and stuff. And he actually helped me, uh, when I was playing ground floor and developing it before I knew I was developing it before it was official, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, which ended up coming out from TMG. Uh, so yeah, Steve. And of course, um, that group, Michael was one of that group. Michael Mendez was one one of that group. And of course he went on to start tasty Mitchell games. Yes. Uh, which is, uh, something people have heard of and is a whole company and puts out good games. And it's the reason I'm here today. Really it's the reason I'm a designer. And the reason I get to work in the game industry is because Michael started a company. Now, are you just, des- are you designing full-time with TMG now, or do you still have a day job? Um, yes. And yes, <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> okay. Two, okay. And okay. <laughs> two days a week. I'm still a structural engineer. Okay. I go into an office on Monday and Tuesday and I do my engineering. Uh, the rest of the time I work, um, for TMG publishing and well, designing, developing and publishing board games. Um, 
So I do some design, like I've got some games that I've designed, such mm-hmm. as Crusaders, which is coming, you know, it's in manufacturing, it was on Kickstarter, yep. uh, such as Eminent Domain, which is uh, a lot of people might have heard of, uh, such as Terra Prime, which is my first game. Uh, those are games I've designed that are that are being published by TMG or have been published. Um, I've also developed, though, many of the TMG big box games, um, especially the earlier ones like Ground Floor and Belfort and Kings of Air and Steam. I put a lot of work into into those. Um, and Kings, I of, a, Kings of Air and Steam is a, I love that game. I, I That's a good really one. enjoyed it too. And <laughs> this was like, those games were like, before I knew any better, I put a lot of work into those games. And nowadays I think, you know, with how busy we are and how many games we have coming out, I think anything that would have needed that much work, I probably just don't sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's not that they, I don't want it to sound like they weren't good games. I, like they were good games and I saw a lot of potential in them, but I think they took a lot of development to get to where they are today. So I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouthing my, my fellow designers. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, anyway, um, so I do a lot of development and most recently I've been, um, I did worked on, uh, well, the ones, ones that just came out, Pioneer Days and Harvest just came out recently and I had a, a lot of hand in those as well. Um, and then the next few that'll come out, I, I worked on, uh, one called Embark, which is going to be a, in the Harvest universe. So it's a smaller box, okay. uh, kind of lighter game. And then, uh, we're just wrapping up something called Old West Empresario, which is, uh, going to be a sequel to Pioneer Days, which just came out. Um, a thematic sequel. It's a different designer, similar dice drafting mechanism, totally different game, but set in the same, you know, basically in Pioneer Days, you've got your wagon, tr- your, your wagon train and your pioneers and you're going out west. And then now, now in uh, Old West Impresario, you've gotten out wet, you've gotten there, you've been granted land by the government, and now you're tasked with building the best. T- you're trying to build up your town and have the most people come to it so you can be, I don't know, called the capital of the That sounds pretty cool. State. Um, yeah, so th- that's what I've been working on lately is those couple. Um, and yeah, Embark is, I'm just, actually, I just, probably tomorrow we'll receive a white box sample for Embark. So that means oh, cool. it's, uh, they're starting to manufacture that. Um, if that's okay, then they'll move forward with that. And, uh, the other one is just having art done still, but I've just recently, a couple weeks ago, declared it done as far as like development's concerned. So I saw in BGG, you had a game out there under your listing for all for one. Oh yeah, all for but one. But it does, but it doesn't look like that was ever published. There, you have the rule book out there. Yeah, yeah. So all for and one. And I was, I was even, I was like, oh shit. I go, is there a print and play or something for this? I go, this actually looks kind of cool. I, I like, I like the Three Musketeers. So when I saw that, I was like, ooh, I'm interested in this one. <laughs> yeah. So all, all for one is is probably my biggest, certainly one of my two biggest, if not my biggest, disappointment of my game design career is that oh. my game's never been published. Okay. So here, here's the story about all for one. Uh, and it's kind of like the story of how I got into game design in the first place. Oh, great, because that's another question I had. So we, you're killing yeah. two birds with one stone here. <laughs> yeah, I, maximum birds, minimum stones. If you look at my design blog, this the sub the, the subtitle or whatever is Maximum Birds, Minimum Stones. All right, so All for One. Um, all for One is a Three Musketeer-themed game. Uh, it's a shared pieces movement game, uh, pick up and deliver, where there are six characters on the board. There's uh, the four musketeers, D'Artagnan, uh, Aramis, uh, Athos, and Porthos. And then two of the uh, Cardinals agents, which is uh, Melody de Winter and Rushford. So those are the six characters in the game. And the board is a network of locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are named like Notre Dame and um, the River Park or something like that. And uh, um, each of the locations has a plot token, which is a, a little lettered token that's 
Um, then there are cards, which are mission cards. And what you do is you have a hand of mission cards and you're trying to complete these missions by getting the right character in the right place with the right tokens, basically. And sometimes there's, and there's different kinds of missions. You can, you know, maybe you need to get Milady with the Winter to Notre Dame with the Nun token or whatever. And you get bonus points if you also have the Mysterious Stranger or whatever. Um, and there are other ones that are like, you have a meeting. So if you get like, um, Milady Winter and Rushfer in the same location, one of two locations together, you can say, aha, I've completed this mission. Um, most of the meetings are actually duels. So if the, uh, Musketeers, uh, any two of the musketeers can like, if you have the, the correct card, you can say, okay, these two musketeers are in this location and they're having a duel. Um, and that's how you complete these things. And when you complete a mission, you get points for doing it. And then there are these story tracks where, um, each character has certain story tracks that they care about. And so when a character does a mission, if you have a character do a mission, you can advance their story tracks basically. And then you've got in secret, you've got a card that tells you which story tracks you want to be up high and you share the way it's set up. You, like I'll have, uh, so there are three story tracks. There's uh, war versus peace. There's one versus all. And there's, geez, it's been a long time. Um, King versus Cardinal. Those are the three like opposed story tracks or whatever. So you might say, Oh, okay. I want war all and King, you know? So you, you might, um, my one neighbor, I'll share one of the tracks with them and I'll be in, in a competition on the other ones. My other neighbor, I'll share a different track with them, whatever. So I have, um, I kind of get in, in some respects, I've got a teammate doing some of the same stuff I want, but also okay. I've got I'm in competition. And so what you're, what you're trying to do is do the missions, get the points, advance the story tracks you want so that you get, you know, you'll score for having your score tracks up high at the end of the game. And the idea is that you're, you're creating stories, uh, um, in the, you know, for the three musketeers, you're, you're like creating the story. So you're making the characters go to these places and do these things. So you can like, that's, that's like writing the story. So anyway, that sounds pretty cool, right? That sounds like that, a game you could buy in the so, store and play. So after seeing it on Board Game Geek, I wanted to play it. Now after you describing it, okay, now you, you kind of need to go to Michael and say, you know what? I'll do this game for you, but you got to let me publish this game. It's all for one now. <laughs> so you need to you well, need to talk to Michael about this one. <laughs> it's actually funny because Michael never really liked that one too much. Um, but I, I always thought it was good. Nowadays, I think it, I'd like to revisit it because it's probably old-fashioned feeling now, but – um, there was a whole guard mechanism where guards like wander around the board in a certain way, and okay. if you if you if you use a musketeer and they run to a guard, they have to have a duel or whatever. It, it was supposed to be like just to get in the way and make route planning difficult. Um, some of that stuff might need some revisiting, and it's been a really long time, so I'm not sure if it you know still holds up. But where this game came from was it actually was uh, I was. I all my friends had moved away and I didn't have anyone to play magic with anymore. So I was looking for something to kind of fill the void left by the, the um, what I used to like about magic was making the deck lists and, and designing the decks basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I stumbled across this website called the board game designers forum and the board game designers forum was a bunch of amateur uh, board game designers talking about their designs and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, what's this? And I checked it out and it sounded cool. And I was reading stuff and one of the things I read about was this all for one game. And it was by this guy named David Brain. He lives in London or something in or around London. I'm not sure exactly where he lives, but, um, and I wrote him and I said, this sounds really cool. It sounds neat. And he was nice enough to send me, he, he made me a paper prototype and he sent it to me. Oh, that's like, awesome. Oh, sweet. That's awesome. Uh, 
And I thought, okay, that's great. I was really excited. I was looking, I was checking it out and I wanted to play it. Um, and I wanted to, I'm like, oh, all these, I, I was like, I want to play it, but I like, I think all these things would be better if I changed these rules or whatever, but I'm like, I can't change someone else's rules. I'm gonna play it, you know, without playing it. So I should totally play it. And I was so antsy to play it, but the pieces were like little, little tiny squares of paper cut out. And I'm like, my friends won't want to play this with me. So I, I need to make it nicer first. So I made like a nicer <laughs> prototype first. And, um, uh, and then I like bigger and nicer and it had like, like tiddlywinks with stickers on them instead of like little pieces of paper for the letter and stuff. And, um, and I finally got my friends together to play it. I got, um, and we played it and I was a little worried about this. It pretty much crashed and burned, um, because it had a lot, a lot, a lot of little things wrong with it. There's okay. tons of little things. And my, one of my friends said, this is like work only I'm not getting paid. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. wow. <laughs> and I was bummed because I kind of saw that coming. But at the same time, I was like, but I think all my changes will help fix it. So then I, I, I'm like, all right, well, I tried it. Things went, unfortunately, the way I thought they would. So I'm like, but I think this will help. So I made a bunch of changes, like a bunch of changes. And then two weeks later, I got those same friends together and we played it again. And it was still not great, but they all said, this is better than it was. And I was like, great. I think I can do better. And so I continued to change it and fix it and change it until at some point I was like, this is actually working pretty well. Um, So... (laughs) Little did I know, this is me, you know, getting the des- development bug. I guess I was right. developing a game, basically. So now, so, so was that, so that all for one? Because you mentioned Terra Primer. So for the all for one, was this like the first one that you had done? Then this is this was back in uh, it was March two thousand three when he sent me the copy. So this is yeah, this is like back in two thousand three. This is before Terra Prime. Oh, okay, okay. This is, predates everything else that I've done in the game design. I mean, I actually. I dabbed a little bit and I had some ideas for like a bike messenger game or something, but I never really did. I did anything with it. Um, I also had, I, I, back cause I played a lot of magic and stuff. I, I had an idea one time to try to make a CCG that maybe didn't suffer from mana screw or whatever. And it was going to be called clash of the Kingpins, um, crime city clash of the Kingpins. It was like a mafia themed thing. Well, it was, it was kind of a mafia themed things, more like a, just a, a crime themed thing where like, the cards that you would play on somebody else to, to mess them up were like Batman, like Batman's coming to get you, you, you know, you're okay. You, Cause we're all criminals in Gotham or whatever, trying to do our thing. And then Batman comes around sometimes and stops us. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. It was an interesting idea, I think, but I, luckily for me, I didn't try to make a CCG cause that's probably not a good idea anymore. Um, They're still, they, they are still very popular and there's a few that have been able to, I think have s- some short success. I don't sure. think there's any. There's nothing that can touch magic or Pokemon, of course. But anyway, so um, the so once I got this all for one game working out well, um, which was first of all, I felt like a great accomplishment because I'm like, all right, this first of all, it's fun. Second of all, I felt like, oh look, I took this thing that I, that wasn't fun and made it fun. Like I did something, and but then there was the challenging part. The most maybe the most challenging part was now I had to try to convince David brain that all the changes i made were like worth it <laughs> that you should also you know that, that like i've changed your game and yeah you should agree with me and it was kind of funny because i remember basically if i remember every single change at first he was like i don't know i i don't think that sounds good and then i'd tell him why i thought so or i'd tell them you know i'd convince him and then in the end in the uh after it took some doing but in the end every single change he agreed to like Oh, that's awesome. 100%. That's so cool. that, that, that felt like another accomplishment. <laughs> so that was <laughs> an interesting aspect of, of development, I guess, is you have to sometimes uh, 
convince the designer that um, of something. So, so, have, so have you kept in touch with him? And has he done any further any other designs? Um, I have not a hundred percent kept in touch with him for a long time. At the time, we conversed uh, frequently okay. on the. This is back when IRC existed and was a thing. Yep. Um, so the board game designers forum had an IRC chat room, and we would chat constantly in there and via email. And um, once I convinced him of all the changes, we started working together on the game. And we for like another year, and then oh, the wow. game kind of evolved and changed a bit. Um, at one point, we had we kind of split off into two different versions of the game, and then I actually went to England. My grandmother uh, uh, wanted to go to England because an, uh, a relative of ours had a, a 100th birthday party, and it uh, was a big deal. And so my grandma wanted to go; she didn't want to go alone. So I'm like, "All right, I'll take you." So we went to England, and while we're there, she's from England. She wanted to show me London and where she came from. And while I was in London, I met this guy and some other, you know, Sebastian Bleasdale, who designs games. He lives, he's got some design. Oh, credits. that's cool. He lives there as well. So I met Sebastian. I met uh, this um, Ian Vincent, another guy. I met this David Brain guy. I, I went to a, a, a design, a, a playtest meetup with, you know, a design meetup with them or whatever, like a game night or whatever at a pub. And um, yeah, it was great to meet those guys. Um, and when we, got there so we we kind of when i got there we played we, we we had at that point we had two separate versions of all for one david had one one version which was story track version and i had this other version which was an older based on an older version or whatever and then we sort of combined them uh while we were there we played uh the one or whatever and, we, and then we started combining them and then we went on from there with what we thought was the best combination of of the things from each of those versions um and then that was great and at some point, uh, so uh, I, I don't, the timeline gets a little confusing to me at this point. I don't really know what happened in what order, but Tasty Mistral started, but Mike never really liked All for One, so mm-hmm. he wasn't too interested in publishing it. Boo, Mike. But I, um, I did send, I, I was trying to submit it to places, so I, I submitted it to Zev from Z-Man Games, okay. and uh, I, I dropped it off at a BGCon with him or something like that, and... Unfortunately, it ended up um, just for timing issues. It ended up like on the shelf for like a full year, and then finally, like I contacted him, like, "Hey, did you ever play that?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, oops, no." And so he played it, and he's like, "It didn't fit what he was looking for, I guess, in a game." So I was like, "Okay, that's a year wasted, unfortunately." Um, but then I got it. I actually had him send it directly instead of instead of sending it back to me. I had him send it to um, this guy in England. His name is Jackson Pope, and he does. I'm not sure what games he's done. He's he's a published some games but like in retrospect this was not a great idea because he his games that he does there's small print runs of these small inexpensive games whereas all for one would be a big box expensive game to produce right right yeah um and um like he might be the kind of thing that i was really excited at the idea of like days of wonder doing it and i was actually at a convention i mean back back up a little bit in 2000 probably six i was at a convention called kublicon in uh california in uh, where is it? The uh, Bay Area, uh, like San Francisco area. Um, and they have a game design contest, and I entered all for one in the game design contest, and it it basically won. It got docked. It was a, a weird story. I was going to enter a different. I was going to enter Terra Prime instead, and then I didn't finish it, so I just wasn't going to enter anything. And I showed up, and some lady was like, "Hey, where's your game?" And I'm like, "Who are you? I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> and uh, it turns out it was the person running the contest and for some reason she knew who I was and she was asking about Terra Prime and I was like oh oh I didn't finish that and I'm like wait a second I got this game and I handed her 
all for one, which I had intended to just play. Um, and it so it got docked points for being late, but I uh, so some other game te- like technically won, right? But I, I'm pretty sure that it only won because of my docked points. So I basically won, or I, I, I at least got second at a at a contest there. And I there was a guy there from Days of Wonder, and I was like, "Hey, I know you don't take submissions," says your uh, website, but I've got this game. I think it'd be a great fit for. Uh, Days of Wonder, and it just like basically won this contest. Do you think I could submit it? And he goes, "Sure, send us a one-page summary or whatever." So I was all excited, and I sent him a one-page summary and and told him all about it. And I was in my mind, I was thinking of like those little miniatures from uh, uh, Mystery of the Abbey and that, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm like, it would be so cool to have like the Musketeers in that kind of format and stuff, just that kind of production. And I'm like, that'd be so great. And I thought they'd dig it and stuff. And th- their um, response was that. They they don't do a lot of games, and they already had a card game called Queen's Necklace that was ba- loosely based on the Three Musketeers, and so they didn't want to revisit that theme. Oh. And I was like, what? Because that game, I mean, it's got Three Musketeers art, but it's not really about the Three Musketeers, whereas this game is like thematically about like the yeah, stuff they did. Yeah. And I thought, and I thought, man, you could reuse the art; it'd be great. But yeah, they were not interested in doing that, so I was like, dang it. And I didn't know what to, you know, I, I was kind of figuring this out as it went. I never really submitted games to anyone before. So anyway, back then I had submitted to Zev and then I had Zev send it to Jackson Pope because he sounded interested. But in retrospect, I don't think it was a good idea because he was unlikely to actually be able to do it. And in fact, he said, yeah, it's a, he said he liked it. It seemed cool, but he wasn't able to do it. He wasn't going to be able to afford to, to do it because he does these little small games and small print runs and it was just going to be too expensive. And I'm like, OK, that's uh, fine. And I'm like, well, you know, you're in England. David's in England. Why don't you, instead of sending that back to me, why don't you just send it to David? And then he can see all these hand changes I made to the cards and the board. And he can get up to date. and We can get on the same page as to the stuff. So he did. He sent it over there, whatever. And then I didn't hear anything for a while. And at some point, long story short, the game um, went missing. Like the David got it. And like, I don't know what happened. And he said, oh, don't worry. I, I had these like – I had gone to the store and I'd gotten these little min- uh, musketeer miniatures Okay. Um, from like Reaper, like Reaper miniatures. Yeah. And yeah. they're like three or four bucks each. They're really awesome looking and they look like you know a musketeer. That's what they're supposed to look like. And I had painted them – not fancy painted them but just painted them solid colors uh, for the different characters. And um, he's like, oh, don't worry. I've got your nice smartly painted miniatures. And I'm like, <laughs> I can buy more miniatures. Do you have the hand changes on the cards and the board? <laughs> and he, he, I don't know. He, they're, they're gone. And I, that was a real setback because I'm like, oh, I don't know what oh, those no. were. You know, I have to like refigure it all out. Um, and at some point, I did try to re recreate the board, and maybe I did, but like, I don't know. That was a that was a big setback right there. And the fact that I wasn't finding anyone to publish it anyway it was already a setback. So that's the story of All for One. I at this point, I feel like it's. I'd love to revisit it. I do like the game. I always liked the game. I think it's viable i think like at the time there weren't any Eurostyle games that were about the three most years at all and now there's been a couple but like i don't think they do it justice like i think this game was really a three musketeers game like it's it's all about the intrigue and the missions and stuff um but whatever i mean like it's not it was kind of a love it hate it thing a lot of people either either loved it or, or didn't like it at all so that might be a thing but you can say that for pretty much any Euro, any sure. modern board game right now. It's I, when people on Facebook post, I w- I have these three games here. Which one should I buy? You know, and it's just like, oh, well, you know, what do you feel like eating tonight? 
you know it's just like all three are pretty good games or there's a game that one of the games I'm, i've been playing recently um noria from stronghold games mm-hmm. some people love it other people hate it and they're just yeah. like you know they're like there's nothing broken with it and i've had games like that too where i'll sit down and play a game and i'll be like you know people are like this is you know this is a great game and i'm like it's good i'm like it just didn't grab me i go for i go i can't tell you why I go, maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for this or something, or maybe it just was sure, a theme I mean, that didn't fit me. I mean, it's just, uh, they're so, all kinds so of many reasons different. to like yeah. or dislike a game. Yeah. And, uh, at one point I, and I, I still have it, I guess there, there's a, I have a 30, 30, 32 minute dialogue, I guess, or monologue rather about design stuff to do with all for one that I had recorded at one point just to, well, I, I, at one point I had an idea that it might be fun to record a podcast. This is like a long time ago and, um, you know, 10 years ago or something. I thought maybe that'd be fun. I should totally do that. So like I was listening to podcasts. There was a really good episode of, Oh, what, uh, Mark Johnson had a podcast board games to go. I think it was called. And there was a really good episode where he talked about podcasting and like how to go about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I listened to it a couple of times. I'm like, this is great. And I went and got, I downloaded Audacity and I, <laughs> uh, I recorded this 30 minute thing, uh, about all for one, about the design of all for one. And, um, then it occurred to me that I had no place to like host stuff and I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't know how to edit stuff. So I'm like, eh, so I didn't like start podcasting or whatever. You, you learn, you learn like the rest of us. I mean, I've been podcasting now for probably about seven or so years because my day job, I'm an IT and the first podcast I did was a Linux podcast because I'm a Linux, I was, I'm a Linux admin. And so my buddy did most of the editing and stuff for that and had a website and everything for that. And then before and after the show, we sit around and talk about games. And he's like, why don't you just start a game one already? Damn it. <laughs> so I <laughs> so I did. Me and one of the guys on the Linux podcast would then start recording a, a game podcast on the side. And like the first 35 episodes were all video games. And then like around episode 36 or so, I started talking more about board games. And then I'm actually looking to I've been talking to a couple of different people to actually rebrand my whole site and everything because I want to go. 100% board games now and just I've stopped talking about video games probably about six months ago hmm. okay. so did you I was curious if you found your uh, readership or listenership I guess go up or down or any change at all when you when you would make a switch like that when you would start talking about board games or whatever or when you'd start or stop talking about video games Um, I was probably taught it, it was a slow change over the years I would say um, and it's in okay. my, my listenership has gone up, you know, since I started, but it was kind of like a slow change. You know, it was like one where, you know, like I said, for about the first 35 episodes or so, we were doing video games. And then I started adding in a couple of um, board games and then I lost my co-host at the time. And then it was me doing the podcast for a good 150 episodes by just myself. And I would just sit there and just talk about whatever games I was playing for the weekend. The name of the podcast, what I'm playing now. You know, I'd be like, all right, uh, I played this game, played this game, you know, and I'd started going down to my local board game store a little bit more frequently a um, couple of times a week and uh, doing a lot, hosting a lot more stuff down there for them. Um, and it just slowly was like, okay, the podcast just, I was buying more board games, buying less video games, playing more board games, playing less video games. And so it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, finally about six months ago when my wife and I really started getting more into like the YouTube and started doing some more of the videos, um, like the full playthroughs, we just like to stream them out to Twitch. You know, I was like, I go, let's just stop doing the video games altogether. I mean, cause it's, hmm. I prefer the board games now more. I think, I think it's just, I don't know if it's cause I'm older. I don't know if it's cause I'm been playing wiser. 
<laughs> Possibly. I mean, I'd, I've, I've been playing board games and video games my whole life. I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, I, I remember playing board games. You know, I mean, I still have all my old board games from when I was a kid still in my parents' basement. And my wife looks at me now, you know, nowadays, she's like, why don't you sell that stuff and actually get us some money, damn it. And I'm like, because I want those in our basement once we get a new house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So, yeah, anyway, that was a long story about All for One. But, but that was asked, an awesome story. So. I liked it. So yeah. I also saw in your blog, you play Ultimate Frisbee. Are you still doing that? I am. Just yesterday, uh, we had league finals. I, I I don't play tournaments so much anymore, but for a long time, I, I was you know playing in tournaments and whatever. And um, But now I just play league on Wednesday nights and then indoor on Mondays and Fridays usually. Indoor is – it's kind of like – it's like half court basketball or something like that. It's, okay. it's a little bit more intense and, and like confined and it's indoors and there's like a, it's on an indoor soccer field and there's like a net and like some walls, <laughs> which is a little weird because normally there's not walls and you can just <laughs> run, but if you run here, you'll run to the wall and that's bad. Um, but indoors fun. Uh, and then of course league is league and we just were, we just lost in the semifinals last night. Oh, that and, sucks. Uh, and it sucks too. We so- were winning. We were winning the whole game. We, we were up, uh, Seven five at half, and we lost nine seven in the end because we didn't do so good in the second half. <laughs> wah wah. Oh well. Have you ever thought about turning that into a board game? Have you ever thought about a board game design for Ultimate Frisbee? I mean, you had I, to. Have. I have, in fact. <laughs> I had a whole like idea for it, and then in the end, I realized that like the problem with sports themed board games is that it's very difficult. the The main thing about sports is the the fast paced split second decisions yeah and you don't get a lot of that in board games you kind of can if you you know play escape or something like that where it's not turn-based or you have a timer or whatever right um i mean escape is probably the most similar the game i can think of that is most similar to a sport as a you know rather than like blood bowl or um whatever some baseball game or you know like what you end up getting with with tabletop games if you're gonna do sports i think the best way to go is probably to do you know like where you're the team manager, you, you have, you know, you're not really playing out a play in the sport. You're playing out uh, a game or a series of games or a tournament, or you're, you're managing a team over a season or something like that. Um, I think that's, or you're, you know, if you're a football, if you got a football game, maybe the better way to go is rather than try to model the play of, a, of, of one down, rather you're, you're modeling, like you're the coach and you're choosing plays and you're, you know, that's, that's, that's where it parallels tabletop play. Uh, but it's very difficult to like make a simulationist tabletop game that captures the fast paced and, and hectic feel of a, of a real time sport. Right. Um, and half the enjoyment of the sport is the physical activity of it. Like, you know, you're playing volleyball. If you can't like get up and spike the ball down, like what, what's the point of playing volleyball, right? <laughs> That's very, very true. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I did. I did actually have some ideas for uh, ultimate theme game. And they, some of them were based on like Blood Bowl, only instead of like combat and beating each other up, it was like that's how you resolve fouls. Is similar to some of the, some of the Blood Bowl stuff, and you'd have characters. And you, I was trying to get like if you, uh, you know, if your if your person ran, if your if your defender was right next to the offense person, you'd get to move for free when they moved. So to, like you're you're on them, so you're covering them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you and then at some point you would throw the disc and the disc would go in a certain path or whatever and and you could you know there were rules I had some thoughts on that and I and you know you'd have like cards that you could play like oh this guy has a like is good at defense so he's gonna more likely to get the D or whatever 
Um, but then I realized it was a terrible idea, so I just stopped thinking about it. Um, I actually played. I found an, uh, this thing online called Go Ho, the Ultimate Card Game, and I like ordered a copy because I'm like, oh, card game about ultimate, sure. And I played it with an ultimate playing friend of mine, and she was like, eh, I expected better. And I was thinking, okay, you know, it, was, it wasn't spectacular. Um, it was. I mean, it was. It was cool. I, I thought it was alright. It was a fine game, but it wasn't spectacular. And whatever, I have it somewhere in a box. <laughs> now, do you have a normal group that you normally play with? I mean, it sounds like you're active a couple of times a week with the ultimate frisbee. But do you have a normal um, group that you meet up with for board games and stuff, maybe a couple times a week or so? I used to, uh, but lately, for the last two years or so, I have not. Uh, partly because I moved, I got married and moved uh, across town. Um, but also, and, and just timing is hard. Um, so I don't have a regular gaming group, unfortunately. However, I do have some of the same friends that I've played with regularly, and I know there there's a group that meets on like Thursdays at this game store, and and sometimes if I if I get a chance, I'll run over there and, and play a game or two with them. Um, but what I do have regularly now, which I wish I had had sooner, um, is I got a couple of friends that meet me regularly on a Friday afternoon, on each Friday afternoon to play test. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So getting, getting regular play testers was always a challenge. And um, I would always have to like, well, back a while ago when I would go to weekly meetups, game meetups, uh, all the time and I'd have people over my house all the time to play games that was fine and I and I, I frequently say oh hey anyone want to try my new prototype I'm trying or whatever um, and I would just try to talk people into playtesting and, and it wasn't so hard to get them to do that um, but uh, but it wasn't always great because like they don't come there they don't go to game night to playtest they, they want to play uh, you know the new game or whatever um, the new hotness that just came out so uh, that was how I got a lot of my playtesting done at the time or, you know, or go to conventions and things like that. Um, but, but I didn't really have a regular playtest group. So now I don't have the regular game nights, but I do have a regular playtest group. So that's very useful for playtesting. It's very, very helpful. Um, but it's not, but I don't get to play a lot of like regular games. Have you ever thought about maybe using something like Tabletopia or any of the online game services? I know some of the guys that I game with, some of them will do that. Others are like, no, all of my board games need to be cardboard and I need to be sitting across the table from somebody and I want that social interaction where others, you know, if everybody can't get together on a particular night, everybody's like, you know, hey, let's just jump on here and we can play this game online, you know, together. But it's a but it's a board game still. You know, I'm well, not talking. I used to I used to play on different portals like Yukata or uh, Boy Did You. I guess yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Other other various portals. Um, Brett Spielwelt. I used to play Puerto Rico on Brett Spielwelt a lot. Um, I played a lot of uh, what's it called? Um, Vinci on uh, Boy Did You. And I played um a number of games on like Yukata or um, what are the portals? Um, uh, I think there were another one or another, a couple more that I used to use. Um, so I used to do that. I I, I don't know. It's not as fun but sometimes yeah, it's, it's, it's not it's the cool same and it was something i could do it like at work i could be like oh is it my turn i'll take my turn and I'll do some work. <laughs> um but like tabletopia i've not tried um i do think it could be a very strong tool for playtesting like when you you could playtest when you've got time right your friends don't have time if you could find somebody else right um but i have not tried to go through the effort to figure out how to get a game up there like to create the files and whatever's needed yeah, yeah. to get my game, my prototype 
on there. And I've heard people say, oh, it's so easy. It's great. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it is if I were to figure it out. But I don't know. I feel like I've got more stuff to do than I've got time to do it. So I have not put any effort into that. Because um, that was that was one of the early ideas I had when I was trying to think of how I wanted to do my YouTube channel and stuff. One of the things I was trying to convince my wife is let's start playing on Tabletopia and then maybe we can get different designers and play a different game a week with a designer or something like that and have a show based around that. And she tried it once or twice and she goes, I want to be over at the table playing. She goes, I don't like this. And I was like, yeah, the controls are <laughs> a little weird. I've, I've tried one or two things on Tabletopia and I, I had a little trouble with some of the controls. Like maybe I just didn't know them well enough or whatever, but like I was having some trouble. Yeah. They are a little um, quirky until you get to know them. Once you get to know them, it's, it's better, but it's, it still definitely doesn't give you that same tactile feel or the same board game feel, but it's I'm not too worried about the tactile feel myself. Yeah. I think I'd more worried about, well, so if I were to put in the effort to, to learn how to put that up there, the problem is I don't, I don't have a guarantee that I'll be able to use it. Like, I don't know anybody necessarily who's going to play test with me, you know, remotely. Right. I mean, I probably could find people maybe, but it's, it's, it's tough to like think about the effort that would take with no guaranteed payout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. Um, true. I think it would be cool, but I don't know. I, I kind of, uh, old dog, new tricks kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I since since I work in it, that was, like I said, that was one of the early thing, early things that I was like, kind of really interested in. I played around with it for a little bit and then I haven't touched it for a while because now we've just been concentrating more on trying to just do a weekly show and, try to just keep that up, which is learning. And it's, it's a whole new learning thing within itself. <laughs> so where do you come up with some of the ideas for your, some of your designs like um, crusaders? Where'd you get some of the ideas for crusaders? Well, so thematically a long time ago, I thought it'd be cool. I was surprised there wasn't a Eurosaw game about the Knights Templar. I thought that's a theme that seems rich mechanically. Like, um, the story of that, like, I was surprised there wasn't a game about it. Now, there are a couple games about it, but I haven't been too impressed with them personally. I, well, I, I, to be honest, I haven't played them, so maybe they're cool. But, um, so I, a long time ago in my, my design blog, I wrote, um, I, this is back when I was hanging out on Board Game Designers Forum in the chat rooms, and I would come up with ideas all the time. And I had some thoughts about a Knights nice Templar-themed game. They evolved a bit, but I didn't really go anywhere. And I kind of had, that was a while ago. I kind of had that. Later, uh, in 2008, I think, um, when Trajan by Stefan Feld was going to mm -hmm. come out. And it was, I saw something on BGG. It was just some teaser information about Trajan. And all it said was, it's like Moncala plus Rondell. That's all it said. And I thought, huh, I wonder what that means. And I, I like to think about that and be like, oh, well, maybe that works like this. And I tried to think of what Moncala plus Rondell would look like. And I thought to myself, maybe it's like you've got your own little rondelle with the different actions in the game, and each little bin with that, each bin has an action and it has pieces in it. And what you do is you pick the bin you want to do the action of, you do that action, and the more pieces in that bin, the better. Then you take those pieces and you distribute them, and now that 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 action's weak and everything else is is more strong. And then you got to build that action back up if you want to do it again. I'm like that. that maybe that's what that means. Is what I, what I figured. And then Trajan came out, and if you've played Trajan, you know that that's not at all how it works. That's the opposite of how it right. works. Instead, in Trajan, you pick – it's similar. You do you do have a rondelle with the actions. You do have pieces in them. But in Trajan, 
you pick a bin, you take the pieces out, you drop them off one at a time, distribute them, and wherever you land, that's the action you do. And I was like, oh, okay, that's different than what I thought. And I played Trajan a lot, a few times. I, I um, pardon me. I like it. I like Trajan. But I thought, you know what? I feel like my idea could work and would be different. So I tried it. I'm like, what theme, what game could I put this in? I got to make a game. I want to try making a game that has this Moncala Rondell thing based on my misunderstanding of what Trajan might be. Uh, what could I do? And I thought back to that that idea about uh, Nice Templar. And I'm like, well, maybe that. Maybe I could do a Knights Templar theme game. That'd be cool. So then I just kind of like mashed those up together and I kind of like made a game that was kind of about the Knights Templar and it used this Moncala Rondell thing. And um, then I ran into a, one problem I ran into was that if we're all in the Knights Templar, we're all kind of on the same team, then why are we competing? Like to get the most influence or whatever. What's the point of that? So I thought, well, you know, that's, it's cool that we're all in Ice Templar and it's cool that we're gaining influence and building buildings and crusading against enemies and stuff um, until King Philip gets upset and like issues arrest orders because he's afraid of us. Like, that's cool. But I don't see us being all on the same team if we're going to, if we're going to compete in the game. So I ended up saying, well, all right, it's not, it wasn't what I wanted to do originally, but I guess I could make different factions. And okay. so I'm like, all right, so one faction is the Knights Templar and one faction is like some other similar order, like the Knights Hospitaller, uh, the Knights of St. Lazarus. I, I looked on Wikipedia and I just picked a bunch of <laughs> crusading orders that were around, not even necessarily the same time. I mean, like some of these are like a hundred years apart, um, but I figured close enough, you know, there are okay, so, so the game's not 100% um, correct ty- it's chronologically. Not a, it's not a history textbook, no. Uh, but it's, the, so I figured I'd take some artistic license there, but basically... Okay, so so you're a crusading order like the Knights Templar. You are running around Europe, building buildings and spreading the influence, and occasionally fighting enemies. Um, and because you're each a different faction, it makes some sense that you're trying to have the most influence. Uh, but then you know, at some point, everybody's between us. We've gotten so influential that King Philip freaks out and issues rest orders. So that was the story of the Knights Templar, like but I've kind of applied it to the crusading orders altogether and whatever it's, so it's not historically hundred percent accurate. Um, but I think it works all right. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of where crusaders came from, but both thematically and then also mechanically. And I kind of put those together. Yeah. I can't, um, I, yeah, that I, was, that was a day one back for me when I saw when I saw TMG put that up on Kickstarter, I was like texting a couple of my guys in my game group that we talk all every day with. And I was like, crusaders is up. Yep. I just backed it. Everybody, I got a couple uh, texts back. Yep, I got it. Me too. <laughs> I I really enjoy it. I think it plays really smooth. It goes really quickly. Your turns are quick. Uh, you get chances to do stuff on purpose, you know, plan ahead kind of thing. Um, it's kind of like a personal puzzle. It's not super interactive, uh, but it is kind of, you know, one of those Eurostyle games with like your own personal puzzle that you're trying to efficiency. You can upgrade your Rondell to, you know, have better uh, options in the future. Mm-hmm. Um You've got a player power that lets you, most of them give you a little bit of rondel control. Like you can skip a bin, you can, uh, when you're distributing, or you can drop two cubes in a bin if you're distributing, uh, stuff like that. You can go counterclockwise if you want that, different player powers. Um, and currently, right now with my playtesters, I'm testing some expansion content. Uh, basically, in, in case when Crusaders comes out, people like it. 
Maybe we'll make an expansion. Thank you for segueing into my next question because I saw that on your blog post that you were doing yeah. that. So that was going to be, I was like, so I saw Michael was kind of like saying, hey, uh, why don't you start playtesting and start working on some expansion content in case if this game takes off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I, I had an idea a long time ago for something I could do for an expansion, but I never tried it. Um, and it was only one idea and it wasn't a fully formed idea 100% e- either um, but I never really th- I'm like whatever I've been working on other stuff I haven't been thinking about Crusaders and um, then so Dinosaur Island came out not too long ago and it's been very very popular yep, and we so played, they, we played they put it. up an expansion they put up an expansion on Kickstarter uh, which raised like two million dollars yeah. or something on Kickstarter for yep. the expansion and the reprint or whatever and I guess also the two player version and I think Michael's eyes got a little big when he saw the funding on that. And he says, "Hey, <laughs> hey, why don't you have an? Ex- why don't you start working on an expansion for Crusaders?" And I was like, "Crusaders isn't even out yet. What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, but wouldn't it be better to have one ready? And, you know, see, rather than waiting for it to come out and then working on content and then like a year and a half later put it out, you know?" So I was like, "Okay, that makes sense." That's so forward I, thinking. That is that's yeah. that's that is that's now, why he I makes the big bucks. <laughs> but I also told him, "I'm like, look, don't expect to raise two two million dollars on Kickstarter." <laughs> um, on for an expansion for crusaders like that's not going to happen you know um but it's very possible that it'll be worth having an expansion for so it's reasonable to work on an expansion so i've started thinking about that so the first thing i did was i took that first idea i had a while ago and i thought okay well let's try it and so last week uh so two weeks ago i taught some of my playtesters crusaders one of them had played like an early version of it but not recently another one had played but not but it's been a long time and the other one hadn't played at all. And so I took the just just the, my prototype of the base game. And I said, I'll just teach you. We'll play it. You'll get an idea. Um, and that's great. Um, so that worked out. And then like last week, I said, okay, now here's expansion content part one. Uh, and I made uh, these additional buildings. They're, they're buildings that you can build. Originally, they were going to be buildings you could only build where, where certain other buildings were already mm-hmm. built. Like a keep that you have to build on top of a castle. Right. Um, or a chapel you have to build on top of a church. Um, and they did different stuff and whatever. And so we tried it and the first try was kind of mediocre. It didn't really work out the way I'd hoped. So I made an adjustment. I said, okay, you can play, uh, whatever. I will try it with the adjustment. And we started with the adjustment and also a fourth player showed up. So with both of those things made it work a lot better. And I'm like, okay, great. That worked a lot better. And now we'll try it one more time with a few more adjustments. And we did. And I'm like, okay, now we're on the right track, I think. So Cool. So I got to try it three times last week and uh, with some adjustments. And now, um, yesterday and after this recording, I'm going to update my prototype some more. Uh, and I'm going to add the next portion, uh, Expansion Content Part 2, which I thought of. And this is actually based on a playtester comment from the base game. Um, nobody's played the base game. So if I talk about what this is, no one's going to know. But there's one action in the game called Influence where you just get points. And one playtester said, why don't you replace that with something more interesting, basically? And he suggested something for a more interesting thing. And I thought, oh, it's, that is interesting. But I didn't want to overcomplicate the game, really. And, I, and I, te- I tend to like when there's one part of a game that's just like straight points because it gives you kind of a reference point to see what other things are worth relative right. to that. Yeah, 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 um, like a baseline. Yep, I gotcha. Yeah. So I like when there's, in Puerto Rico, where there's like a statue. You know, it's like a mm-hmm. straight straight points and you can compare like your customs house to this. If you if you can't outscore this with your customs house, then don't buy a customs house. You know, um, and so so I liked having the influence action just get points, and I still do. Um, 
But what I'm going to try in the expansion now, and this is the new content I'm going to try next tomorrow in my playtest session, is uh, changing that out with a different a different dynamic. Um, and I'm thinking I, what I might do is instead of changing it out altogether, I might say when you do influence, you could either get the points like before or do this new dynamic. Um, I might try to keep that so that there are strategies involved in in doing something plus doing some influence or whatever. And I don't want to, those to go away. So I might keep the points thing and just add in the uh, the new aspect. Um, or maybe I'll just replace it and say like, okay, new rules. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I have to give it a try first. So I have to make I have to make some prototype pieces. Um, so I've been spending the last week thinking about what this should be. Now I'm going to make the pieces and we'll give it a try. Cool. And then Are part you- three of the expansion would be just a couple. I, I'd like to add a couple more uh, player powers, like knight okay. factions. Because I feel like that would be an obvious thing to have. And if I can get some that relate to the new content, that would be pretty good. So that'll probably be it. I think that'd probably be enough stuff for expansion. That that sounds like a pretty damn good expansion. Now, is Michael going to let you um, bring Crusaders to any of the conventions this year, Origins, Gen Con, or anything? Are you going to be playing it there? Maybe playing it with the expansion prototype stuff, maybe? Showing it um, off to some people? Uh, I'm sh- <laughs> Michael uh, would not stop me from doing that. Um, <laughs> however, um, number one, if I did it, it'd be with my old prototype, not with the fancy production that's coming because that's not done yet. Right. Number two, well, and because my prototype pieces for the expansion wouldn't match it anyway. So I usually, like when I when I was testing expansions to uh, Eminent Domain, I would not try to combine these like printed cards with the fancy cards that got printed. Yep, I, I gotcha. would use my old prototype, right? Yeah. I bust out my old prototype that says harvest instead of produce and uh, whatever. Um, so anyway, the thing is, I'm not going to be at Origins of Gen Con this year because in about three weeks, I'm going to have a little baby. And oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. And so that will preclude my uh, origins for Sir, and uh, which is yes. just coming up in a little soon, and uh, probably Gen Con as well. Um, and I don't know what else um, because I've never had a baby before, so I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, and my get ready for that is, one. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I are, are uh, going to see how it goes, and I, I don't know how long it'll be. I mean, I will go to conventions again in the future. Um, it's kind of my job, but... Um, yeah, I'm going to take a couple off to like deal with this new, new play tester, I guess. <laughs> and, and that's, yes, that's definitely, well, I, I cannot say anything to that. That's needs to definitely happen. But right now, TMG, you guys have, um, home centers out there and you wanted to talk a little bit about that, the current Kickstarter that's out there on, that's out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's so, hop over to that, start a discussion on that, see where this takes us. Okay, so uh, for your listeners who may not know, so Tasty Minstrel Games, TMG, is a game company that publishes games, and we've been around uh, since April 19... Wait. April 2009, not 19, that's way <laughs> April 2009. <laughs> uh, so we've been around since April 2009, and so we're coming up on our 10th anniversary. And uh, this, this company was started by my friend Michael Mendez, and I was there to help, although I wasn't officially part of the company at the time. Um, and we put out a number of games, but we started in 2009 with two titles. Uh, one of which was my first game, Terra Prime. The other of which was called Homesteaders by Alex Rockwell. Now, back then, Alex Rockwell was uh, well known on Board Game Geek for writing strategy articles for Puerto Rico and Kalis, among other things. And he had made his own game called Homesteaders. 
And I uh, came across him in Seattle when I was there one time, my many trips to Seattle. And um, I played his game and I thought that's pretty good. And I got home and I made myself a copy of his game and I played it some more and whatever. And I was talking to him about how, you know, maybe this should be different or whatever. Um, and I was taking it with me to conventions. And he even told me that if I, if I, or I asked him if, if he minded, if I submitted this to publishers for him, um, cause I thought it should be published. I thought it was a really good game and it should be published. And this is 2008, I guess. Um, and at one point I actually showed it to Jay Tumbleson from Rio Grande games and he really enjoyed it too. And he, he took it home with him and, um, he looked like he might publish it, but then what else happened from Rio Grande games in 2008 dominion came out. <laughs> so yes. I think what happened is, uh, <laughs> Jay got busy with dominion and I don't blame him. But yeah. As a, yeah. <laughs> as a result, I feel like home centers, uh, you know, was put on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile, Michael's like, Hey, it's 2009. I'm starting a game company. What am I going to publish? And I said, well, I guess I could get Homesteaders back from Jay. And I got Terra Prime. So there's two things. So that's what happened. Um, we published them. Uh, we, Our first print run, we did 2,000 copies of each. And unfortunately, we picked a manufacturer that turned out to not be so good. Uh, and we got a, a really bad production run of both. Um, we spent a week, Mike and I spent a week in a warehouse in Atlanta trying to salvage as much as we could. There was stuff oh, that wow. was miscut, misaligned, uh, miscollated. Uh, some of it was moldy or wet or damp. Uh, it was it was oh. rough. It was very rough. We ended up throwing like a third of it away. Um, <sighs> we salvaged what we could. And, uh, and that was tough. But uh, Mike didn't throw in the towel. He continued. Uh, we And uh, later, at, at some point, we did reprint Homesteaders for a second edition, but we never did reprint Terra Prime. Um, and... The reprint for Homesteaders was some years ago. And uh, at this point, it's been due another reprint. I mean, it, it sold out and it's been out of print for a while. And it's been due a reprint for quite some time. And we had planned on doing one and then it got delayed or we just didn't get you know didn't get to it. One reason or another. Um, until finally we were like, all right, we're doing a reprint of Homesteaders. And one thing that people have really wanted for Homesteaders is an expansion. So about four years ago, the designer of Homesteaders, Alex, was talking about doing an expansion and he was looking into it, but I think he ran out of time or something, so he never actually did make an expansion. Well, then, a couple of years ago, 2016 or so, I was like, well, we're, we're getting ready to print, reprint Homesteaders again. Maybe someone should make an expansion, so I went to, and I happened to be in Seattle again, and I was talking to a friend of mine who was also a friend of Alex's named Sean McCarthy. Now, Sean was around when Homesteaders was made, and he helped do a lot of testing on it and, and development of it. And so I asked him, hey, do you want to make an expansion to Homesteaders? And he was excited about that. So he uh, looked at the, um, he thought about what he'd want it to be like. He looked at all the threads to see what people were wanting and, and talking about. And he made a, uh, he put together an expansion. Cool. And so now, uh, since everything had, had, had uh, been delayed and taken so long, now that we're coming up on our 10th anniversary, I suggested, hey, why don't we make this a 10th anniversary edition of, of our launch title Homesteaders? And we could say, okay, we can re-release it. It's 10th anniversary edition with an expansion. And there you go. And so uh, originally I was just going to do that. And we were going to put it out next year when we're actually 10 years old. Cause right now we're coming, we're, we're currently nine years old. Right. We're right. Coming up on our, 
our 10th anniversary. By the time the game comes out, it'll be closer to 10 year old, 10 years old. Um, however, uh, Daniel, uh, the president of TMG said, you know what, if we put it on Kickstarter, we can afford to do it this year. So let's slip it in there. We'll put it in Kickstarter, a quick three week project. Uh, we'll do 10th anniversary edition. Uh, we'll, we'll, since it's on Kickstarter, we can, we'll bling it out a little bit. We'll get upgrade some more components that we were working originally. And, uh, and then there, there, there you'll have it. There'll, have, there'll be a 10th anniversary edition uh, on Kickstarter, which is what we've got. So if you look on Kickstarter right now, if you're um, if you're listening to this when it lands, I'm not sure when this will air actually, but um, it'll it'll air in a couple of days. So you guys will still be live. I was just oh, yeah, looking up there. You got eight right. days left, so this yeah, will be out. So this will you, be out in a couple of days. Yeah. So this comes out on the sixth or whatever. You'll have about a week left to to pledge. If you don't listen to it right away, then. You can go back in time and pledge, or you can go on your <laughs> shelf in your store and you'll be able to find it because this is not one of one of the things I wanted from this 10th anniversary edition is I didn't want it to be a limited edition thing. I wanted it to be like the next edition of Homesteaders, but since it's 10 years, let's make it a 10th, you know, make it nicer. Right. Um, so, so if you're listening to this down the road, you should be able to find it in your store. Um, and uh, also the expansion, of course, will be in the store as well. But you can. But if you are listening when the this drops and, and uh, or within a week, if you are interested, you can get you can pledge for it on Kickstarter. You'll get a little sooner probably. Um, and uh, you can get there's there's the the game itself. There's the expansion, either or both together. You get a, I think you get a decent discount if you use the Kickstarter. Um, and that's that. So yeah, it, it looks pretty good. I have not played Homesteaders before, but in looking at the Kickstarter, I am. Probably going to have to back this one because, one, I love the TMG Deluxified games. I mean, Yokohama, I love. I missed, and I can kick myself, I missed the Deluxe version. It wasn't Deluxified, but it was still the Deluxe version of Orleans. Orleans is one of my favorite games of all times. Yeah, that I mean, was our first quote-unquote Deluxified. It was before yeah. we decided before, to brand that as yeah. Deluxified, but it was our first Deluxe game. Uh, now, this this edition is not is specifically not Deluxified because Deluxified – has some meanings. And one of the, one of the things about deluxified games is they're not in the store. Right. And that's because we put basically when, when we sell direct, we get more, we get a larger percentage of, of the money mm-hmm. um, versus if we sell it to distributors. Yep. Right. So we can take all that extra money that we're getting from selling direct and put it into these upgrades. So we can afford a lot more upgrades. Now, homesteaders is going to be on the shelf. So it's not, uh, it can't be, I don't I, I liked the 10th anniversary edition of Puerto Rico, but I didn't like that it cost $100. So <laughs> I understand. Yes, I gotcha. It, the price down a bit. So we're not going to be able to do quite as much upgrading because we have to be able to sell it to stores, uh, you know, through distribution and it'll be on the shelf. So that's a little bit different right there. So we're, um, and a few other things are different. So like it's not, and it's not a limited edition from through Kickstarter. So it's definitely not a deluxified right. quote product. But it still has um, very nice but, components, it looks like. <laughs> Well, it's always had nice components. Even yeah. when the very first edition, even the with the bad printing, still had like this was back when the uh, people had Agricola and it just had like cubes and discs, but they right. were getting animals made for it. It was right right about the time when people started wanting to have custom resources in their Eurocell games. Okay, like painted cubes. Before that, painted cubes were the standard; they were fine, um, and and everyone bought into that being the standard. Nowadays, that doesn't fly. Like. If you just have painted cubes, people are gonna say, "Ah, where's the where's the shapes?" You know, right? Um, exactly. But that, that all changed right around that same time. Like, and we came out with Homesteaders in two thousand nine, 
and we could have had cubes, but Mike asked the manufacturer, how much more would it be to do these custom shapes? And it wasn't much more. And he said, okay, let's do the custom shapes then. And it was a good choice. It turns out in retrospect, it's a really good choice. It was right on the forefront of this, um, this kind of shift in the, uh, what people want. Um, which means like, so it had pretty top notch components to begin with. Okay. Uh, certainly the second edition, which had better printing from Panda and it had a nice thick cardboard and it had these special shaped pieces. And, uh, it, it's a, it's a nice production, you know, nice solid production. Uh, but with the 10th anniversary edition, we're upgrading some stuff. For example, uh, the victory point tokens are little sheriff badge looking things. And so those are going to be metal instead of cardboard. Oh, cool. And, um, the coins in the game, uh, looks like they're going to be metal now too. It's based on, a in, in this Kickstarter, we're not doing stretch goals. Uh, instead, as we get, as we raise some funding, um, we're adding, we're just throwing in, we're calling them tasty treats. We're just throwing it in. <laughs> we're like, Oh, you guys are having, you know, this is going great. Uh, let's see if we can find something else. We find something, we check it out. We can afford it. Okay. Let's throw it in. Um, without worrying about like having to have a stretch goal or whatever. Um, so I like, I like that. That's, that's an interesting take and that's an interesting way to kind of change what's happening on Kickstarter. I, th- I think that's yeah, a, I that's think, a pretty neat thought. I think that we're going to see, I mean, it'll take some time, but I think we're going to see a decline in the, in the stretch goals. I think people um, are starting to look at stretch goals more, less like what they were originally, which is an opportunity or, or incentive to like get more funding and more like, Oh, hey, you're holding content hostage until we reach this funding level. Yeah. Which is kind of like two sides of the same coin, maybe, but like I think the connotation is is getting more and more negative for people. So I th- I've already seen a few people switch away from from stretch goals and try something else. And the and the video game industry is like that. I mean, now they've almost switched to that where, you know, in the video game world, you know, they're like you buy a video game and then they're releasing all this DLC content or, you know, you can unlock this skin and this stuff. Stuff that you, you know, years ago when you used to play those types of games it would come with, right? You would it would come with it and you would unlock it while you played the game. Well, now they're like, "Well, give us a couple bucks here and there." They try to like, you know, monetize all that stuff and it's yeah, it's I think it's a good idea from the board game perspective. We got away from that. <laughs> well, in our last Deluxify Kickstarter, which was Gentis, I don't know if you followed that one. Um, we actually tried something a little different. We said, you know what? Let's try getting rid of stretch goals. Let's just take all the things that would have been stretch goals and throw them in at the beginning and be like, look, this is the game. Mm-hmm. With all the I, yeah, I remember that. It. Yep. I remember that. And it worked. It that project went just beautifully mm-hmm. I, I think people really appreciated that and they like they know what they're getting up front yeah they didn't have to worry about whether or not they would you know oh we're not going to reach the goal i want for the thing i want to be added in the game so i think it went over well and, and one of the things about kickstarter the, um by merit of being on kickstarter we got a chance to get some feedback from the audience and we were able to even add a few other things uh or you know based on their suggestions and whatever so we were still able to do that but i think it was appreciated by a lot of people to just have everything, all the stretch goals pre-met. And if you think about it, it's it's kind of a catch-22. It's like, we need this funding to like afford this item. But people, but then if it's like, oh, we're not there yet, so people aren't pledging, so we're not getting the funding. Yeah. But if we say, you know what, you can, items in there, then everyone's like, oh, great, that's great. And then you reach the funding level. Like you, you might reach the funding level that you would have reached, that you would have needed to reach to include mm-hmm. it. But there's no guarantee that's true. So it's whatever. There, there's considerations. But... We tried it with Gentis and it worked really nicely. Um, that was one of the most pleasant Kickstarters we've had in a while <laughs> with respect to uh, <laughs> just the, the 
um sometimes the comments can get a little um a little rough to uh navigate uh, but that one was very smooth it's it's the internet some people don't like to play nice and some people think that they can say whatever they want and they can't or they shouldn't yes. at least <laughs> well anyway the this particular project was one of the most pleasant ones that we've had so that were that being said we're probably going to try it again in the future because cool uh if that's what people want and that's good for us, why it's a win-win situation, right? Yeah. So, it, um, but anyway, so that's deluxified though. We're, uh, so homesteaders is, um, it's similar in that we're, we're not having stretch goals for things. We're just throwing things in as we, as we, uh, as people suggest things that we like, we're like, Hey, that's a good idea. Let's try that, try that out. Um, for example, there were some, uh, suggestions for changing the, uh, the bid markers, everyone's bid marker and everyone's, it's called the railroad development development track marker are just large cubes in the game. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to change those to um, another tasty treat was we're going to change those to like shaped pieces, like a, oh, cool. a, a little engine for the railroad track. And, and I think a boot for the, for the bid marker. Um, so that, that's the kind of thing that we can do um, that we might not have thought of or something beforehand, but somebody suggested it and we thought, Oh, that's a good idea. Another suggestion that was in the comments that we were looking into is, and this should be pretty easy if we want to do it is the player screens um, people were suggesting that they'd like to see different art on them, maybe art from the box cover. So if, you know, if, if it's not even getting new art done, we could probably do that. Um, and maybe put the, um, player color around the edge or something like that. So people can have their player color on their screen. Yeah, or that's a good, those couple of good suggestions. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something we hadn't done, hadn't thought of, you know, it was, seemed fine before, but it's a good idea and we wouldn't have thought of it. So we can, we can maybe, uh. Maybe we can do that. And um, so that's that's one of the benefits of being on Kickstarter is that you can get feedback from the community. Yeah. And um, it's and those are those are just a few little polished things, you know, nothing that's going to change the game, really. But it just just right. makes that, it look a little bit better. Yeah. And if it's something that especially if it doesn't cost anything, then it's like, why not? Yeah. If yeah, people, definitely. The tricky stuff is like if half people want it and half don't, then it's like, do you do it or not? But if it's something that like it's been suggested, it wouldn't be worse and it doesn't cost anything. You might as well. Kind of, yeah. Throw it in there. there. Possible. So one of the other things I was looking through on Board Game Geek, you had a game that you were working on. It sounded like Alter Ego. Yeah. Are you still, still working? working are you still working on this too. one? Because that well, one sounded that, interesting as well. That one gets worked on a bit and then shelved for a year, and then worked <laughs> on a bit and then shelved for two years, just because other stuff. Um, I started working on that thing back in I don't know two thousand six or something some ridiculous oh, number of years wow ago. um alter ego is a so i'll preface this by saying my my game my card game eminent domain it says deck building on the box because it's got a deck building element and at the time in 2011 deck building was all the rage so of course we put deck building strategy game on the box mm-hmm. since then i've started to look at um the terminology a little bit differently i feel like there's there's a couple of different types of deck building games. There's deck builders, which is I, I, something I call deck builders, which is like Ascension, Star Realms, maybe Dominion, right. are deck builders where you build your deck to build your deck, and that's 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 deck build. That's a deck builder. Okay. Um, then there's deck building games, which are uh, maybe a game with a deck building mechanism, or maybe like Clank, perhaps. Yeah. Is a deck okay. building game. I'm with you. Um, because it's like a game that, that has a main aspect, which is a deck building situation. Um, but then there's more more going on. Uh, so I would call that a deck building game. And then Eminence Made is kind of different than both of those because instead of saying, hey, I want that card in my deck, so I'll buy it, 
the card, your deck changes like a deck building game, but it changes as a result of the actions you take. So I've come to call that deck learning. So it's like if okay. you do, if you do actions like this, your deck learns how to get better at those actions because it's got more cards for that action. So that's so I call it a deck learning game now. Okay, so that's some terminology. So alter ego is a was an attempt another attempt at a deck learning game. So alter ego is a, a vigilante themed deck learning game cooperative where you and your buddies um, are in uh, a city that's overrun with crime and you've had enough and you decide to take it upon yourselves to like do something about it. This is the story. And uh, but the problem is you're no superhero. You're no, you're, you're not, you're nobody special. Right. So that's one problem. So you're weak. And number two, you've got stuff to do. You got a family, you got a job, etc. So the game in the game, you start with your opening deck, your starting deck, full of cards for your job. You've got job cards, community cards, and um, family cards. So the, and, and those cards do stuff for you. Good things, like draw you cards and, and help you do other things. Um, over the course of the game, there are also some hero trait cards, like speed, strength, uh, smarts, wit, and will. So those are the five, well, I don't know, tra- traits that you might need to defeat bad guys. Um, so... Each round of the game, you're going to play some cards from your hand and then take one from the stacks uh, of your choice, the stacks of, of these cards. Uh, so you'll choose, I mean, you could choose another job card, but probably you're going to choose like strength or something like that so you can beat up bad guys. Um, but you can only play so many cards each round. So if you're going to play enough power card, uh, hero cards to beat up bad guys, then you necessarily can't play all your job and, and family cards. And if you don't spend time at your job, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get penalized for not having gone to work. If you don't spend enough time with your family, you're going to get penalized for not hanging out with your family and, and, and stuff like that. So you, if you don't, so those are your alter ego cards. So if you don't play your alter ego cards, you eventually get penalized. And if you don't, um, but you have to not play them in order to play the hero cards to actually make progress. And so you've got this deck of henchmen. So the henchmen come out each round. You're going to have to put a, each player is going to have to put a henchman in and the henchmen take hostages and there's different colors of chips for the hostages and the henchmen, or the bad guys win, the good guys lose, if a henchman goes to take a hostage and there's none left of that color. Okay. So that's one way that, that's pretty much the only way that the, the um, you can lose. But um, meanwhile, though, the henchmen are associated with an arch arch villain. There are a couple different, there's like three different arch villains. So like the mastermind, the anarchist, and the... Um, oh, the mafia guy or whatever. Uh, so there's there's... And there's different versions of each, and they are harder to beat. And they, um, so when you bring in these henchmen into play, not only do they take a certain hostage, but they also have an affiliation with one of the one of the arch villains. So when enough of them come in for a particular arch villain, that guy will come into play and terrorize the town. And once that happens, you have to defeat the arch villain, and then you win. So you win by making sure you don't lose until the arch villain shows up, and then beating up the arch villain. So that's how you win. Um, if you and then, and if you don't do that, if you end up lo- if you lose before that happens, then you lose. Um, but so yeah, so that's the game. That's basically the game. It's cooperative. You can um, there's a, a way you can work like a you can spend a resource to like team up and combine your cards with another player to uh, try to beat up bad guys uh, more efficient. Like if you need more symbols, and I, I only have a, a strength and a speed, and you I need, I need another strength, and you've got a strength and maybe we can team up and, and beat up that, that one uh, bad guy. Yeah. And as you beat up the henchmen, you get bonuses that help you be stronger. 
the alter ego component on that one where you have to almost make the choice of am I protecting it city the city it sounded like or am I taking care of my family I was to me the way I the way I read that on board I was like that kind of sounds very interesting I go because it sounds like those could be some very very tough calls to make and you know and you could be walking a fine line there <laughs> yeah and that that was the goal and the problem was one of the problems to, to do on that was um I needed the cards. I didn't want to just say, look, you get an arbitrary penalty for not playing a job card. Mm-hmm. Instead, I wanted the job card to be so good you wanted to play it. And so you'd feel bad not playing it because you, you know, I was like, I can't go to work. I got I to gotta go fight bad guys. But like, you'll be sad because you didn't get the benefit of the job card. That that was the, that was the plan. Um, And that, uh, so the job cards get you money and you can you spend money to get equipment, which is like special cards. Um, the family cards let you draw more cards. So you have better options on your turn. And then the, um, community cards help you. Uh, so each round you have to draw a henchman and put it in play. And the more community cards you play, the more henchmen you get to pick from. So you don't get owned by the game. If you, if you're, if you're drawing off the top, you could, you might be very sad about what comes out, but if you get to pick to pick between two and three henchmen, you might be, you might be able to have some say into what happens so that that's that was the idea and i tried to make them like strong enough that you really needed to play them but you literally can't because you if you're going to beat up the bad guys you have to have power cards or hero cards um so that was that was the goal um in the end i actually added back a, a like an additionally if you don't play any job cards you get like a a bit of a penalty um so you have to occasionally go to work <laughs> um to get rid of the penalty or whatever um it's not 100% done, but I, I think the game is – last I tried, the, it, the, I, th- I think the game was getting pretty close um, to done. But it's really tricky. It's really tricky to make a game, like a cooperative game, where it's like – it's supposed to be hard and, and um, like the power curve. So players, uh, in the beginning, you can't really afford to do much. You can't really beat up all the bad guys. You're not strong enough. Right, right. And then you ramp up your power to a point where you can take care of everything and everything's trivial. Somewhere in there, like hopefully right before that happens, the big bad guy has to come out and make it so you're like, oh crap, we have to, we're not strong enough again. And it has to be possible to defeat him, but not trivial. So that, that power curve is difficult um, to kind of get right. I think I maybe made it now. So it's works, um, but it's very, it's very tricky to be, it very quickly could go from like, oh, we got everything under control and the bad guy's not out yet. Okay. Now we automatically win. You know, it's like super easy now. Um, what we, what I really want to see happen is I want the bad guy to come out just before you get everything under control. So you're never really on top of it. So I guess the big question for this one is, does Michael like it? Or are we going to have to ask for a print and play or something? Michael does <laughs> like it. Michael. Okay, has liked there it. we Michael, go. Yay. Michael suggested that I do it a long time ago. Um, yeah. And I, it's, I never got around to finishing it because every once in a while I'd, I'd try it out and do some stuff, but then like it would get set aside for other things. So it never got finished. So, um, I still have it on the list. It's, it's one of the ones it's like, almost I think it's like almost done. Um, but yeah, so I, th- and I think it's a really neat, I love the story of the game. I think the art could be really cool. Like, oh, um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The graphic, maybe graphic novelty or whatever. I like, I can, I imagine the, uh the alter ego cards being kind of upbeat and happy and bright colors. And then like the, the hero cards being like all kind of dark and gritty looking like a, like, you know, like daredevil season one <laughs> TV show. Yeah. that there, um, There's a lot, there's a lot you could do with that one. <laughs> yeah. 
think so, so we've talked we've talked about a lot of your stuff. We've talked about TMG. What games have you been playing lately? What's been hitting your table? Is there anything that's been hit consistently hitting your table or any new games that you're like, that's a really freaking cool game? <laughs> well, I mean, just the, for one thing, the playtesting ones, the Old West Empresario game is what we've been playing it, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, quite a bit. Um, before that, it was something called Embark, which is coming out uh, soon as well. Um, but as far as published games, um, recently it was my birthday, a couple of month, one month ago. Um, and for my birthday, I got some friends together and we went to the game store for a couple hours and we played an old favorite that I hadn't played in a long time, uh, Railroad Tycoon. Okay. I love Railroad Tycoon. And I, I, um, so I got, I'm like, I haven't played this in forever. We're doing it. Let's do it on my birthday. So we played Railroad Tycoon and it, I did terribly, but it was okay. It was great. Um, and Come on, you were the birthday guy. They didn't let you win. What the hell kind of friends you got there? Oh, I, I, I hope they wouldn't let me win. They better not win. Um, I didn't, I didn't play so well, so I lost. Um, but recently in the mail of, off of Kickstarter, I got Steamrollers, which is a roll and write that's based on Railroad Tycoon slash Age of Steam. I've heard, I heard the guys on, um, uh, the one podcast I listen to and I can't think of the name of it right now, but I've, the, the roll and writes have become very popular lately. They have. It and, seems uh, there, it seems like the- they're almost making a resurgence of some sorts. Uh, they they are really popular in certain circles for sure. And to be honest, like I don't mind rolling rights, but for the most part, most of them I I don't find all that interesting. Um, or maybe I do, but like not for very long or something like that. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of rolling rights. However, I mean there are good ones. Uh, I just don't tend to play a lot of rolling rights, I guess. Um, but this one, Steamrollers. I think it's a, it's a strong roll and write. Partly, it's a little bit more to it than a lot of roll and writes, for one thing. Um, and it's well, I think part of it's because it's it's based on these games that I really love these these Age of Steam style games. Um, and it's, I think it's a good translation. It's a quick thirty minute version of Age of Steam or Railroad mm-hmm. Tycoon. Um, I mean, to be honest, I might rather play a two hour game of Railroad Tycoon than I would play a half hour <laughs> game of Steamrollers. But if I only have half an hour, that's not an option. Yeah. Onboard um, Games I, was the podcast I was thinking about. Oh yeah, that's that's that was one of the ones I normally listen to, and I think they were just talking about Steamrollers. I think on there they had just reviewed um, oh, it. I, in a pet I've actually heard people ago. mention it on a few on a few different podcasts lately. I think because it's arrived just recently um, from Kickstarter, so I think people are getting it and playing it. So I'm hearing about it here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I I only played it once so far. I enjoyed it. It was fine. Um, I'm trying to think of what other what other published games I played lately. Um, I guess it's been almost a year now, but like last Gen Con, I got Bunny Kingdom, and I played that okay. a handful of times. I like I that one. Bunny that Kingdom. was a good one. Yeah, I like the I draft. Went, went, um, the drafting two cards at a time was kind of cool because yes. sometimes you get you know doing a, a booster draft type game, and, and you've got a you know you look at the cards and you're like oh at least you will work great together, which means I can't take either one. That's lame. So being able to take two at a time, I mean, even if that's not really different, but like I think it is different because you get a chance to you see a combo. You draft the combo. You don't have to like draft half a combo and hope the rest of it comes by. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I kind of like about it. Um, it has a really neat kind of two player variant on the draft too. So, uh, and it just it was a solid game. Richard Garfield knows what he's doing. Yeah. When we played that one, I remember I really liked it. I did horrible at it. The one guy at our the one guy in our game group. There's a couple of guys that are just really really good gamers. And whenever I can beat them at any time, I'm like 
I walk out of there and feel like, okay, I've accomplished something for the evening. And in yeah. Bunny Kingdom, the one guy just literally doubled our scores. Like his score was basically what me and the one other guy were added together. <laughs> he just, he got those combos down and he just rolled with them. And we just, we couldn't keep up with him. It was just, we couldn't keep up with him. We couldn't stop him. And it was just like, the, everything was just going his way. And we were like, but I still, but I, even though I lost horribly, I still really liked it. So I know it was a good game then if I lose horribly and I still want to play it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, the game, um, the scoring in the game is mul- multiplicative, right? It's one yeah. thing times another thing. So that has the potential to really zoom up in, in, in points if you um, can get it, you know, if you get both both sides of those up, yep. you, like it multiplies, right? Um, which, you know, if you, especially if like new players are, aren't, aren't grasping that or aren't finding ways to do that, and one person does, then yeah, they're going to outscore by a lot. But like, if you think about game two, where everyone's, okay, I've got an idea now. Um, I, th- I think it's a, you know, it'll probably be more fun that way. One thing that was neat about that game is they have cards that let you put pieces on the board, like normal, mm-hmm. like you would expect. Um, but then they have a few cards that are like end game scoring conditions. And in a lot of games, there's like 10 to 25% of the cards or whatever are end game scoring stuff. I don't know, I'm just making this number up, but uh, not a majority or whatever, <laughs> you know, some, some, there's some, it's like a side issue. It's like, Oh, you know, you'll get one or two of these end game scoring things, but most of your stuff will be on the board or whatever. In this game, like half the cards are end game scoring stuff, yep. which is yeah. kind of cool. Actually. <laughs> um, you could, cause you can like, I mean, you got to do some stuff on the board to like score these cards, but you can have like a ton of face down scoring cards and it doesn't look like you're doing that great, but really you've got a ton of end game points. Um, and especially if you can get some overlapping ones or whatever that, that, um, are good and i don't know i like i like that i thought that it works out pretty well and i think it's, it's kind of novel to be able to be like okay i've got you know 13 end game scoring cards or whatever um and there's a couple of really cute ones too like um the one there's one in particular and it, i i read it and i'm like when is this ever going to happen it was like if you get second place by 10 points or less then actually you win uh, rather, I think it's if you're in second place, add 10 to your score or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I forget what it's called, but um, it was a cute, it's a cute card. And I'm like, okay, that's cute. Like, how often is that going to really matter? Every single time, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. At first, I wasn't too sure. When I saw the board, I was like, there's a lot of little bunnies on the board and everything. But by the time we were done with the game and everything, it seemed like it really just, it kind of came together well, I thought. You know, and playing the game, it, I, it was... It was, yeah. it was, some people don't like the, some people don't like the counting and the meticulous yeah, yeah. counting and multiplying, but that doesn't bother me. So yeah. Some people will say, oh, that's finicky and stuff like that. And sometimes when people say things are finicky, I'm like, uh, you sound it's, like well, you, you sound like you're saying, yeah. get off my lawn. Yeah. Not, well, not everyone, not everyone cares about the same stuff, right? Like so counting up stuff like that doesn't bother me at all, but for some yeah. people it could be a pain in the butt. Yeah. And maybe they just let their friend do it. Right. Like if you, you know, you have four people at the table, maybe one of them's willing and interested to quickly count and multiply stuff but i don't know most of the people i play with you know if we play for example when we play ticket to ride we always double check the score at the end because it's frequently you know you can score as you go i feel like 90 percent of the time that score marker is in the wrong place so we always count it up at the end anyway and you know it's just math all right i think that's about it i think we've actually hit through in a roundabout way, all of my questions, we kind of, I didn't follow any sort of order to them, but we actually hit them all. <laughs> well, there's one, there was one thing that you, we were going to talk about that, uh, 
when we were talking about the Homesteaders 10th anniversary stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one more aspect of the 10th anniversary um, that I could mention. Okay. And that is so, so for TMG's 10th anniversary, not only are we kickstarting Homesteaders to start it off, but over the next year, we're going to do stuff like we're going to revisit some of our old out of print titles um, and, and perhaps nice. bring those back maybe as a 10th anniversary edition. Not, not that Belfort's been out of print for 10 years, but, or, um, but for TMG's 10th anniversary, we might bring back, bring back Belfort, for example. Right, right. Um, and my, the thing that excites me though, is that this whole celebration will culminate next, next year, next Gen Con maybe, or Essen or something with, um, the, a re-release of our other launch title, which is near and dear to my heart because it was my game, Terra Prime. And I... Kind of, I always felt like I never um, that that game didn't get a fair shake because of the bad production and never got reprinted and and a lot of people haven't played it and people who have played it seem to like it but and I've played it recently I think it holds up for the most part um, but I always wanted to sort of do over on that one because I was kind of bummed about what happened so finally now I'm going to get that do over so I've gone through I've uh, updated some of the things to like now that I've been doing this for ten years some stuff I wish I'd done differently or, 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 you know, what I could have done better. Um, and kind of maybe modernize a few things cause it's been a long time. Uh, back in 2008 or so, I made an expansion for Terra Prime that of course never got published. So I'm including that in the game. Oh, cool. So I'm, so I'm updating it, adding the expansion and we're having the art completely redone and re- resetting the game in the eminent domain universe, because I've got a game called eminent domain. That's, done all right people maybe know about it yeah so it just so happens that terror prime fits in that world as a prequel so it's going to be a prequel to eminent domain and it's going to be called eminent domain origins so terror prime is going to come back look for it next year as eminent domain origins set in the eminent domain universe as a prequel to the card game oh that's cool um yeah so i'm really excited about that actually it's it's i um i always kind of thought like when you get your first game published, there's this feeling that that people talk about where like, ooh, like they 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 finally got their thing. It's like it's we did it, you know, like hooray. <laughs> and I kind of because of the bad production issues, I, I I feel like I missed out on a little bit of that. And so I'm really looking forward to Eminence Main Origins to have a proper production and a proper release. And I'm hoping that um, people will get a chance to play it, and um, oh, I hope they'll like it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that back and play um, for my own personal selfish reasons i guess <laughs> that's hey that's quite all right it looks it looks kind of cool i pulled it up on board game geek because it was it was interesting you had mentioned Terra prime but when i pull you up under board game geek i don't think you have Terra prime listed under one of the games that was um it should be are you looking at the at my designer page or yeah are you looking at... yeah when i look at your designer uh, page is there a page two I didn't see a page two because I was I spent a little bit of time out there last night and I was I thought I had that's where I had found like I said alter ego and um the uh, all for one and that's where I was just like I go both of those look super cool but I didn't see Terra Prime and when you started talking about that one I was like hmm I didn't see that on his page <laughs> so oh, yeah. if it's well, not there if it's not there no it's there get, it's get, on page three actually oh is it okay uh, I might I, I might have missed it if you go to my designer page on BGG it's on page three um. With, with another couple of prototypes that aren't published. Um, yeah, so uh, 
I put a geek list up called Games Designed and Developed by Seth Jaffe. So if you were to look for that on Board Game Geek, you might be interested to just take a look. And, and I've, I've written a little bit about each of them. I'll have to go check um, that out. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't read that. Yeah, I'm actually not finding it right now. Oh, there it is. Games Designed and Developed by Seth Jaffe. Um, and uh, for your benefit, not for your viewers' benefit, I will copy-paste it into the chat. Okay. I could put that up on the show notes then, actually, as well. There. Cool. Got um, it. So, uh, right. So, anyway, Terra Prime, I mean, Terra Prime is a uh, pick-up-deliver game, I guess, where you're on the far reaches of the known universe. You've got the um, Terra Prime, the first space station of its kind on the edges of the galaxy, uh, and you are members of the Fed- Terran Federation uh, charged with Exploring the new space around Terra Prime Outpost, uh, colonizing planets that you find, uh, bringing back resources from those planets uh, to help build the space station, and defending those planets from hostile aliens. So okay. that's what you'll be doing. Uh, you fly around these this, these hex tiles, and you flip them up and, and see what's on them and, and have to deal with them. Um, you find planets, you colonize them for points. Once you've got a colony, it makes resources, and anyone can stop at your colony and get your resource, but you get a point if they do. Also, the colonies let you install different things on your spaceship, like extra weapons, extra shields, extra engines, extra cargo holds. And um, if you find hostile aliens, you can get points for that they'll shoot at you, and that's bad. Um, but you can get some shields, and you can get some guns, and you can go beat them up. And if you do, you get points, um, rewards. And so there's there's kind of three main strategies. There's colonizing for points, so you can you know, the farther away it is from the space station, the more points you get. Um, the, there's alien fighting. So you beat up aliens, you get points for that. And there's, uh, delivering resources where you get paid for that with money. You can spend money on upgrades, but you could also, money is also points. So you can save money for points. So the three delivering, uh, fighting and, uh, colonizing are the three main strategic paths. You'll do some of each, of course. Um, but there's, yeah, so that's the, that's what you're doing in the game. Um, and I don't know, I think it, I think it holds up. One of the things about it compared to Homesteaders is I think the BGG crowd um, prefers Homesteaders because Terra Prime has uh, dice combat when you fight aliens, but it's not like ra- it's not entirely random. It's like the more prepared you are, the much, much, much better your chances are of, of winning the combat. Okay. Um, it's not it's not really a, like back and forth combat. It's like my action is shoot the aliens and the more weapons you have, the more dice you roll, but also the more chances each dice is going to hit. So if you have like three weapons and you you you're probably gonna win almost no matter what. If you only have one weapon, you're probably gonna lose. So like it's not deterministic, but it's it's a lot closer to deterministic than just did I roll sixes or whatever. Hmm. That actually sound, I'm gonna have um, to read up a little bit about that one. Yeah, because that 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 yeah, kind of so, sounds like something that I would probably like and my group would probably like as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, I I think it holds up. I think it's a good one, and I think the new version. I'm just trying to make the new version like just more fun at every turn. Like what, every, every chance I can get, I'm like, what, what would be more fun? Uh, so yeah, working on that. Um, and I'm getting the art redone by uh, my friend, Ariel Sewane, who's who did the art for homesteaders as well. Oh, cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one coming together. Um, it's been set aside for some other projects I've been working on as far as like development, but it, uh, um, it's not cool. I, I have some finishing touches I want to do, but I, it's mostly done and uh, I'm ready for that to, to come out i'm excited i'll have to see if some of the guys in my game group i have a couple of guys in my game group that have some older games in their collections and stuff that isn't necessarily the 
latest and greatest are the most shiniest and they are they have some very nice hidden gems in their collections and sometimes it's really nice to be able to play some of these games that you know when you walk into most stores nowadays they're just going to have either evergreens something that's you know a constant seller all the newest stuff you know there aren't too many stores you go into and you can find older games or stuff that's usually harder to find stuff that might be out of print you know so some of the guys in my in my game group actually have some of those games in their collection. So I'm going to have to check with some of these guys and see if they have that. Maybe we can get a game in before you release the new one and I can see what the original one was like before and then compare it to the newer one. Sure. Um, if you can find a copy. <laughs> um, yeah, there's actually one on the shelf at my local game store, but I think it belongs to the, the manager or whatever. Um, yeah, it's really hard to find at this point. Again, we only made 2,000 and we had to throw like a bunch of them away. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really kind of rare, I guess. So, but the people I know, uh, one time a guy walked up to me at a convention and most people who walk up to me at a convention and want to say, Hey, thanks for making this game. They're usually talking about eminent domain. Right. Right. Uh, But this one guy walked up and he's like, Oh, Hey, you're Seth Jaffe. Uh, I just want to say, thanks. I really liked the game that you made. And I was, I was thinking, okay, eminent domain. And he goes, no, I really liked Terra prime. And I was like, Whoa, Terra prime. (laughs) It's, it takes me by surprise every time someone says that because that's awesome. So few people, so few people have played it, but but the people that I've heard from that have played it have liked it, so that's good. Well, hopefully with the reprint, more people are going to get a chance to play that one because it sounds that's really interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Yep. So yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. A lot of a lot of games uh, coming out. A lot of games in development. A lot of stuff going on. So you sound like you're extremely busy. Yes, that's <laughs> kind of true. Yeah. That's a good thing though. Makes the days go by fast. Yeah. And with and with a little one on the way, they're probably going to be even faster now. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to see how that factors in. So. Very good. Well, thanks for having me on. All right, so, yeah. Definitely. Thank you for chatting with me for so long. I really appreciate it. It was a great great chat. Some of the stories you gave about some of those games were just awesome. Um I'm glad I got to ask some of these questions and I'm glad you w- told me some of these stories cuz I was Hopefully my audience enjoys it as much as I did because I know I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, some of those stories are a little bit different than the. Um, I've been on a few podcasts lately to to promote this 10th anniversary stuff, and and uh, but some of those stories were a lot different than the ones that uh, pe- people don't ask me about all for one very often. You know? uh-huh. Well, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, hopefully I'm, I'm glad I did a little bit of research, and I'm glad I actually looked around a little bit and saw that one out there because that was I really like that story. I thought that was an awesome freaking story that you said. Well, great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hey gamers, this is Joe, and I definitely like to thank you for listening to episode 202 of the podcast. I would also really like to thank Seth Jaffe for coming on the show. It was a great interview. I couldn't stop laughing during all the great stories he was telling, so hopefully you enjoyed listening to them as much as I enjoyed the conversation we had together. I'd like to wish Seth and his wife good luck with their new child, and we will definitely have to have him back on the show when he is available and maybe when Crusaders is a little close to actually shipping. But until then, everybody, you know what to do. Go play some games, and don't forget to let me know what you're playing now. As always, you can send some emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us there at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. On Twitch, you can subscribe to us there, twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. And on YouTube, you can subscribe to us there on youtube.com slash What I'm Playing Now. 
All right, everybody, like I said before, go play some games. Let me know what you're playing now. But until next week when we'll be back with another episode, have fun gaming, and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye.